With the arrival of winter weather, the National Weather Service is changing its warning system for snow squalls. And Pennsylvania is in the minority of states when it comes to legalizing the distribution of sterile syringes. Welcome to the Morning Agenda, WITF's daily news podcast, where the only agenda is you. A good morning to you. It is Wednesday, November 29th, and this is being recorded at 9.15 a.m. After a couple of days off, I'm back. I'm, of course, your host, Tim Lambert, as we take this daily trip around the region's top stories. So let's get started. The National Weather Service is urging Pennsylvanians to be on the lookout for snow squall warnings. Sydney Roach is with our partner, WPSU and State College, and she talked with one meteorologist to learn more about the service's updated emergency alert system. Jonathan Guzman is a warning coordination meteorologist with the National Weather Service and State College. A snow squall is essentially a very brief, intense blizzard. So say sometimes on the order of two or three minutes, we'll put a, a snow squall warning out if we're highly confident that that's what's occurring at that point. Guzman says their office, which covers 33 counties, implemented a new system for snow squall warnings last winter. When they're highly confident of a snow squall, along with icy conditions, it's labeled severe. Then cell phones in the area get a wireless emergency alert. Now, in the past, every snow squall warning would trigger an alert. And because squalls happen so quickly and reduce visibility, it's important to get off the highway if you can when there is a snow squall warning. If you're driving during this type of weather event and can't get off the highway, slowly reduce your speed and put on your four-way lights. You may remember six people died during a pileup in Schuylkill County last year. State police say there was an active snow squall at the time of the crash. Some counties in the mid-state have delayed the certification of votes from the November election in the wake of a federal court ruling that undated or misdated ballots must be counted. My colleague Ben Wasserstein reports the change didn't have much of an impact on the results. The U.S. Western District Court of Pennsylvania's decision came two weeks after Election Day. Jerry Fieser is director of Dauphin County's Office of Elections and Voter Registration. He says the decision brings back some mail-in voting rules from before a 2019 election reform bill that permits no-excuse voting by mail. Prior to Act 77, uh, which included the mail-in ballots, Dauphin County would have counted ballots that were just signed, the envelope, or the voter's signature. That was it. If they didn't date it, we still counted it. Fieser says the decision to set ballots aside came after a November 2022 decision by the state Supreme Court. He does not expect the recent decision to impact the 2024 election unless there is an appeal. Now, the late decision led several counties like Berks, Philadelphia, Chester and Montgomery to delay certification. Dauphin County did not delay the process. And Penn State's faculty is focusing on the changing mental health needs of college students. And Dannehy is with WPSU and State College, and she reports the university is forming a faculty safety committee to look at issues both inside the classroom and out. Vice Provost Kathy Bischke said her office is pulling together a faculty safety committee that will build on previous work. It's not um, just in regard to the classroom, but also in regard to the other issues that have come up in terms of emails that faculty have received. We've also gotten questions about other things that we could do to enhance faculty safety that we're, we're going to explore in that committee. Faculty Senator Annie Taylor asked about the status of that committee and how faculty can be supported so they feel safe in what she called rare situations. It was this past July when some Penn State faculty received racist and threatening emails which were turned over to the police.
It is certainly great to be back with you on the morning agenda today. And I got in the office at O Dark 30 and caught up on some news stories from around the region, went through about a dozen news sites and looked for a few stories to put on your radar today because they could cover issues that impact you and your community in the future. So here's what you need to know. A man who was serving a life sentence for injuring three women and 11 children in an attack on a York County elementary school has died in prison. William Stankiewicz was convicted in the attack at North Hopewell Winterstown Elementary School in Red Lion in 2001. Wielding a machete, he barged into a kindergarten class. Two teachers and a principal wrestled him to the ground until police arrived, but that was not before he hacked at them and the children. He was found unresponsive in his cell at the State Correctional Institution at Dallas in Luzerne County. An autopsy is scheduled to determine the cause of death for the 78-year-old. Penn State Health lost $160 million in the recently ended fiscal year. The parent company of the Milton S. Hershey Medical Center, along with four additional mid-state hospitals, says revenue is trending upward now thanks in part to cost controls. That's according to a report by Penn Live. Penn State Health had a total revenue of $3.8 billion for the year. It attributes much of its losses to debt and expenses related to two newly opened hospitals, Hampton Medical Center and Lancaster Medical Center, and increased costs resulting from inflation and worker shortages. Meantime, Pittsburgh-based UPMC reported a loss of $177,000 for the nine months ending on September 30th. And the state Supreme Court has refused to hear the defense appeal of a former Williamsport police officer who's facing charges for using the state JNET records system to obtain information on women for sexual reasons. Penn Live reports the decision by the state's highest court reinstates felony charges against former Corporal Eric Durr. Durr is accused of becoming romantically involved with a woman he encountered during a drug arrest and then assisting her in avoiding police and evading prosecution. Prosecutors also allege he obtained sexual favors from a woman to resolve her 2016 summary retail theft case instead of filing charges as he informed the story would. The 39-year-old, who resigned in September 2021, was accused of using JNET 93 times between June 2015 and December 11, 2019 to obtain unauthorized information about 26 individuals, including one female 18 times. The system is for authorized police work and personal use is prohibited by law. All right, it's time to take a bit of a deeper dive into an issue right now. In 38 states, including all of Pennsylvania's neighbors, it is legal to distribute sterile syringes for illicit drug use. Dr. James Latronica, president-elect of the Pennsylvania Society of Addiction Medicine, says this public health intervention is endorsed by leading medical organizations. These sites decrease the rates of hepatitis in the community, HIV in the community, and, you know, overall improve health outcomes. So despite the benefits, syringe services are in a bit of a legal gray zone and throughout most of Pennsylvania cut off from critical funding. Sarah Bowden is with our friends at WESA in Pittsburgh, and she reports that includes the estimated $1.6 billion windfall that's coming to the Commonwealth as a result of settlements with the makers and distributors of opioids. Kim Boddicker is a conservative Catholic, mother of seven, and some would say she's also a criminal. Yep, so they get the package of needles. Um, they get the card, the um, directions on how to use them. 
Boddicker is the executive director of Favor Western PA. The nonprofit is located in the basement of a former church in rural Westmoreland County where it serves those who are in active addiction and recovery. In addition to running support groups and helping clients find housing and medical care, Boddicker provides sterile syringes to people who use drugs. When that person comes in the door, um, if they are covered with abscesses because they have been using um, needles that are dirty or they've been sharing needles, maybe they've got hep C, um, we see that as, okay, this is our first step. When used to inject illicit drugs, syringes are classified as drug paraphernalia under Pennsylvania law. Dispensing them is a misdemeanor. And though it's unlikely, Boddicker could be arrested and prosecuted for this. She says it's worth the risk. You know, are they going to quit overnight? Because we asked them to, nope. So let's help them stay well until we can get them to that point. Research shows that syringe services can also be the catalyst to recovery as these programs connect people to other services, including drug and alcohol counseling. In one study cited by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, new users of syringe services are five times more likely to enter treatment. Dr. James Latronica of the Pennsylvania Society of Addiction Medicine supports the legalization of syringe service programs because it makes medical sense and it saves a lot of money. Things like syringe service programs, which decrease the rate of, you know, bloodborne illnesses, promote naloxone distribution. We don't have to call ambulances nearly as often the more of those that we have. That means fewer patients in overcrowded ERs and lower demands on first responders. The opioid settlement agreement between a coalition of state attorneys general and drug companies explicitly states the money can be used to fund syringe service programs. Allegheny County is one of the few places in Pennsylvania where that is happening. 325000 settlement dollars are funding syringe services through Prevention Point Pittsburgh. Aaron Arnold is executive director of the harm reduction nonprofit. He says this windfall has made an enormous difference. For us, it's about being able to spend more time actually concerned with the participant needs and less time on counting the stock uh, that we have available. Since the 2000s, Prevention Point has operated openly under a health ordinance from Allegheny County. Philadelphia did something similar in the 1990s. Other cities and counties in Pennsylvania could take similar measures, says Scott Burris, a professor at Temple University's law school though that would require political and community support. If there's not backing, if actually a lot of people in the community think it's a terrible idea, it may be hard to run the needle exchange even if you start it. But ultimately, Burris says, the onus is on state lawmakers. Why hasn't the legislature joined the states all around us that have authorized needle exchange and taken away the chilling effect and the fear that you might get in trouble? And that chilling effect has real consequences as it limits the expansion of these programs. Kim Boddicker in Westmoreland County hopes that by being open, she might convince lawmakers to change Pennsylvania's laws. I just think, you know, if it's something that's going to help someone, then why is it illegal? It just doesn't make any sense to me. There is a bill that would legalize syringe services in Pennsylvania. It's sitting in the House Judiciary Committee and has yet to be scheduled for a vote. I'm Sarah Bowden in Pittsburgh. Just a quick reminder that the morning agenda is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. 
and on WITF's YouTube channel. And if you like what you hear, I ask that you share it with your friends and on your social media channels. Let's turn to the song you are thinking about today. What is that one song that you are just focused on? Let me know about it by reaching out to me on Twitter. I'm at TLambert895. That's how you can find me on Blue Sky as well. Now, don't sleep on our Spotify playlist. It's called the Morning Agenda Song of the Day for November 2023. And my addition to that list today is Tom Petty's Change of Heart. And that is going to do it for the Morning Agenda. It's a daily news podcast from WITF where the only agenda is you. I'm your host, Tim Lambert. Thank you so much for listening today. Your company is always welcomed and appreciated. So be well, enjoy the rest of the day, and we'll talk again tomorrow.